You want Chinese? They want pizza. Someone in the back is craving sushi. What do you do? Well, there's something for everyone on DoorDash. And you need to continue to support restaurants in your community safely. And there are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that need your patronage now more than ever. Support your favorite restaurants on DoorDash. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code ADVANTAGE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code ADVANTAGE. Don't forget, that's code ADVANTAGE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Hey everybody, Scott Burnside back for the Friday edition of Two Man Advantage, bringing to a close a tumultuous week in sports for sure, and whether it's too soon to call it a seminal week for the National Hockey League and its players, but certainly an important week uh, in the lives of of this league's social consciousness, I, I think it's fair to say that, and somebody who is dissecting that very topic as we speak my good friend Pierre Lebrun making a an unscheduled appearance back on two man advantage on Friday morning Pierre thanks for thanks for coming back on our show since it's your show too um but I don't it, like it, it, this has been it's a pretty dramatic swing for the NHL as a whole but certainly for the NHL players from Wednesday night when uh, when they seemed ill-prepared to respond to what was going on in other sports and, and, and certainly what was going on uh, in response to the shooting of Jacob Blake in uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, but, I, I, you know, the, the following 24 hours were really important in terms of the dialogue within the NHL community and specifically the players in the Toronto and Edmonton bubbles. And it led ultimately to games being postponed on Thursday and Friday evening. What, it's a lot to unpack, but it strikes me that's a pretty that's a pretty important forty eight hour window for those players. Yeah, I mean, Scotty, just to walk it back a bit. I mean, obviously, you know, I thought you wrote a really powerful piece on Wednesday night, right in the moment, which I totally agreed w- with about history remembering that the NHL did not join forces on that night when we're all going to remember that night in the sports world. Um, and I wrote about it as well the next morning. Although, if you remember, part of my piece was that there was still an opportunity at hand, and let's see how the day unfolds. And and I, I'm not going to lie, I had a bit of an inkling already that there were discussions afoot, but could I tell you at that moment, when I wrote that piece, how the day would completely unfold? No. And, you know, how will history look back? I, I think it's always tricky to try and do that <laughs> in the moment. I still think, I still think there are people who are going to look back and say a day late. But what happened Thursday, nevertheless, at least if you look at hockey in a vacuum, is completely unprecedented. The NHL and the NHL players, and this is really about the NHL players, have never made this kind of stance before. And 
it, it was genuine. I mean, the conversations that were being had, it, they actually started Wednesday night, you know, through text messages between players, but got going in earnest on, on Thursday morning and Thursday afternoon and, and players, you know, reaching out to each other in both bubbles, within the bubbles, with the HLPA, reaching out to the Hockey Diversity Alliance a bunch of times, including getting Evander Kane and Matt Dumba on a massive players call in the afternoon. I actually uh, heard from Evander Kane because I had reached out to him right after he got off that call. And you could hear in his voice, you know, what that meant to him, uh, especially given how he felt the previous night, right? In which he didn't hide on Twitter. And I don't, and I certainly don't blame him. So really a, a juxtaposition of the extremes in terms of, I think, the way the sport looked on Wednesday night and the way the sport looked by the end of Thursday. In particular, I think a, an amazing scene in the Western bubble in Edmonton uh, with Ryan Reeves speaking and surrounded uh, by players uh, from all four teams, you know, around and behind him. That was really powerful. Well, it, it strikes me that, uh, and I know you're going to be writing about this today and sort of breaking down how this happened. And like, and I'm I'm with you. If, if you had to do over, right, I, I think a lot of people would have done things a lot differently on, on Wednesday night. And it didn't, it, in my mind, it didn't take, it wasn't about, well, why, why didn't you, postpone the games like what we saw was happening with the NBA and then it, like dominoes uh, in various MLB parks, uh, MLS, WNBA. Those things happened organically. They didn't happen with the NHL. I was disappointed there wasn't even, you know, players finding a way to join arms or to at least acknowledge what was happening outside the bubble in that short term. But I think your point is is an excellent one that when we talk about conversation, and really, isn't that what is at the heart of all of these issues of racial injustice, racism, police brutality, social injustice, inclusivity, all those things? And, and, and the NHL has dipped its toe into it, but it really is about ongoing conversation. And, and to me, we got to this point with the NHL because there was really frank and open discussion within that group of players Maybe for the first time, I don't know. Is I don't know if you think that's mm. overstating it, but I I just think that is, you know me, I'm a pretty I like to think I'm an optimistic guy, but I was, I, I was, I was taken by the heartfelt nature, the apparent heartfelt nature of the conversation that went into finally deciding that there would be no games on Thursday and Friday night. Yeah, no, I I think I don't think you're understating it at all, and you know I know that Evander Kane on that call with the players. Uh, let them know that what they were doing with the postponement of the games in some ways might be even more powerful at the end of the day than what's happening in other sports because hockey's predominantly white. I mean, that's a powerful statement from Vander Kane, but but there's there's some truth in what he's saying. In the um, in sense of, you, you know, the role that players who haven't been victims of racism, who haven't had the shared experience, can still play. It's huge. Uh, in many ways, it's, 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 it's a lot of what this is about. And so hockey does have a role in this, even though, uh, and you know, I wrote about this yesterday, and I think people are uncomfortable talking about this, Scotty, I can tell. But the fact that hockey of the big four is the most non-American league, 
It just is what it is. It's not a good a good thing or a bad thing. It just is. 75% of the National Hockey League is made up of players that aren't from America, which immediately puts it in a different position on all kinds of layers than the other sports, right? But that's not an excuse for not diving in on these issues, right? Because there's racism in Canada. There's racism in Europe. It's just a different shared experience. And on top of that, these players from Sweden and Finland and Russia and Canada, a lot of them end up making their livings and actually staying in America because of the NHL. So you owe it to yourself to, um, you know, become part of the movement here. And, you know, and I think that's what we're obviously what we saw yesterday. I mean, you've talked to some of the players who who were involved, and I I think we need to make sure that that players do get their due because I I think I think it's all it's like I'm not making excuses for NHL players, but if there was a sense of paralysis, at least for for me, that people want to do the right thing, they want to they want to be engaged, but simply in that moment. No one sees the moment, right? They didn't seem to know right. what to do. But but I got and I know you talked to Kevin Shattenkirk. Um, you talked about Ryan Reeves with the Golden Knights, such an important figure, not just with the Hockey Diversity Alliance, but but as a leader on that team. And in my sense of that Vegas Vancouver um, dynamic in the West, that they were you know, pe- players were very emotional about. Listen, we don't we, we need to. You know, we need to, to move this forward. We need to not be playing these games. But I think we should give credit to players who who had who understood that they maybe didn't know what to do or right. wanted to plot the best way. And so I, I think it's important to give credit to guys like Kevin Shattenkirk. And I know you talked to some of the other players who were involved in that call mm-hmm. and, and being able to share that message with their own groups in the in the in of the eight teams that are, are still in the two bubbles. Yeah, I spoke with both Kevin Chattenkirk and uh, James Van Reevesdyke on my drive back from TSN Studios up back to the cottage here last night. And um, terrific conversations. I'm going to delve into that in, in my column today. But, um, you know, one thing that JVR said to me in our conversation really hit home. And I think, again, it's, it's just it's just the truth is that he feels that over the years, even though he feels that he's that hockey players have always had each other's backs in the room and, and, and want to be there for their teammates. That maybe when it came to this issue, that there are some players sometimes that were embarrassed to ask the wrong question or to offend as they try to educate themselves. And I think that was a very raw moment there that, that that's probably actually very true. Right. You know, um, how do I, how do I know more about this? But without looking like an idiot, when I inquire about it, that's very interesting thing to say. And in terms of Shattenkirk, I mean, he really was central in all this. You know, he he realized after their win on Wednesday night what was happening around him. They really, as he said, they didn't really realize going into their game that night that outside of the NBA situation that other sports had lined up behind them. They didn't realize it until after. Not, not an excuse, but he just sort of gave me the play-by-play in real time. So before he went to bed that night, he had already gotten the ball rolling from his perspective. And other players have done this too, but he texted Chris Stewart from the HDA, of course, the former teammates, right? Good buddies. Uh, and and he also reached out to Ryan Reeves. And pretty poignant moment in that when Reeves heard from Shattenkirk in the other bubble, Reeves had relayed to Shattenkirk that he hadn't slept all night, that he was wondering if he was going to be the only player that was going to pull out on Thursday night uh, and he realized by the end of his conversation or text messages with Shattenkirk that 
he would not be alone. And that was a pretty powerful moment. And really, there were other conversations like that as well with other players. But that's just an example of the type of conversation that helps spur on uh, what the rest of the day would look like on Thursday. Well, and maybe it goes back to your point, and maybe this is why this is so important, because the NHL players, and as much as they have an important platform, and it's a platform that probably hasn't been used to the best advantage for not just issues of, of, of racism, but the broader issues of inclusivity and how to make the game more welcoming to all kinds of different people, all those kinds of issues. Um, but it does also reflect to people, like you and I have had this conversation as, as you know, throughout this, the pause and, and as we've watched the turmoil in the United States on so many fronts, it, it sometimes you you don't know what to do. And so mm-hmm. to watch these players go through this process, maybe that is also an educational tool, too, to say, hey, you know, they did get it right. And if you're a cynic, you want to blow them off as they're only doing it because they got hammered on social media. You know what? I I can't help those people. Sorry. You know, believe what you want to believe. But maybe there isn't a value in watching what they've gone through to get to this point and understanding that it's not easy. And, and it it's you know it does take a lot of work and it does take sometimes swallowing your pride to to ask difficult questions or whatever it is. I just think that's I don't know. Maybe we can all learn something from this. I don't know. You know me. I'm Joe Pollyanna, but maybe we can learn something from this. Yeah, and and, and it's you know it's 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 not an easy thing. I mean, I know that I heard that you know in Tyler Sagan's case, as you know, Scotty Tyler Sagan, who who. You know, joined a protest, uh, or I don't know if it was a protest or a vigil, but remember, he he went out in Dallas and wanted to educate yes. himself, right? Yeah. Um, our, our colleague Sean Shapiro wrote about it, and then, of course, he kneeled on opening night of the return to play. Uh, but I can tell you that in the aftermath of that, he got a lot. He got hammered in some corners, um, and I just don't know what crosses the mind of these people. But you know, there were people upset that hey you know you're a canadian don't don't get involved in their american affairs type thing and and again but that comes back to the point i made about the unique composition of the nhl and 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 just in many ways how different it is to want to be part of this when the league is so differently made up i mean Here's a Canadian trying to do the right thing and getting hammered for it because he's Canadian. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, you don't think we have racism in Canada? I mean, come on. Yeah, it's true. Um, I want to. I want to ask you, sort of. Okay, what happens next? But we're, we're going to take a brief break, and then we'll come back and we'll close out this edition of, of Two Man Advantage. Uh, so don't go away. Uh, we still have some stuff to unpack here on this Friday morning. Pierre, I, I think the, uh, you know, for me now, the the question, and it's it's a question I think we in some ways asked, you know, after Matt Dumba's powerful speech before the first game of the play-in round in Edmonton between Edmonton and Chicago, and, um, you, okay, so what next? Because in you know when you take it in isolation, when you 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 view it and you say that was important, that was a powerful message. And then we did see Jason Dickinson and Tyler Sagan kneel during a national anthem with Ryan Rees and Robin Leonard, the Golden Knights. And then, you know, sort of, you know, life goes on in the bubbles, right? The playoffs are on. It's it's chaotic and crazy and all the stuff that happens there. And then when the moment comes where 
we think, okay, what did we learn? Or is there waiting for a reaction to say, yeah, the NHL is here. I think we were all disappointed on the Wednesday night. So I think now we ask, okay, a, a day later, we've seen what's happened, that powerful picture from the Edmonton bubble. How important is it now that that we see some tangible evidence that 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 the players are engaged that we see something that says okay this isn't just a moment you know that that happened because of, out of embarrassment or whatever i don't know if that makes any sense to you but i guess what ha- what happens now how important is whatever the next the next moment for this movement yeah, it, the key thing I think is it just can't be a one-off, and and it can't just be every time something big happens that we have to go to Evander Kane and Matt Dumba and Akeem Aliyu and ask them for their comment. That there have to be other players, white players, who are ready and comfortable to start tackling this, and or the next time Matt Dumba kneels that he's or sorry raises his fist that he's not the only player in his entire team. Like there's got to be strength in numbers and. But you also, you know, I, I get it. You can't force it. I mean, that, that's why it's important for players who are still unsure uh, of all this in terms of their knowledge to continue to ask the right questions. And I thought it was great to hear that um, some of the players in the bubble on that call with Evander Kane and Matt Dumba asked them whether they could come back on Friday and, and give them a presentation or have another conversation about a lot of these issues to use the time since they're not playing, of course, on on Friday, um, to further educate themselves. I mean, that's huge. I mean, I mean, that wasn't forced. That was uh, uh, some players saying, we need more of this. And I don't know where this is headed, and I don't know if in four months we'll just, again, be frustrated that it all went away. But I think the point here is that it can't be the small, the same small group of players that have to speak up for the entire league on these issues. It has to be other people that, become comfortable enough through their education of wanting to also take a stand. That's, that's my hope. It might, could be naive. I mean, heck it's part of my own education right now as well. It's not like I've been writing about these issues of my whole career. Right. I mean, um, I, I think we're all, we're all in this trying to, um, you know, be on the right side of history and, 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 and understand what's happening. And uh, I think it's important. Yeah, and I, I don't think we can understate the importance of a group like the Hockey Diversity Alliance, right? And it's we've had we had Kim Maliu and Matt Dumbon on the podcast early in after the formation of the the HDA, and I, I, I they're still feeling their way, right? They're trying to figure out what exactly their role is, how they do things. But I think it's been interesting to see some of the things that they're asking of the NHL and 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 maybe asking of the players or guidance they're giving the players you know like we've seen like here in Atlanta I I can never remember what they have called Phillips Arena now it's like State Farm Arena I think in downtown Atlanta well that is now a super polling place for the election in November and and, and we know that voter suppression is a huge issue in 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 many mm-hmm. areas in the United States the, Getting the vote out, especially in the middle of a pandemic where you can go and safely vote, all the issues now that confront this country as we head into a, a critical election. Uh, oh, well, my sense is the Hockey Diversity Alliance is saying to NHL players, well, why don't you talk to your owners uh, or the local representatives in your area? What what can you do in your area to 
to help these kinds of issues. It's not specific to hockey, of course, but I, I think those are important things too because it maybe we get blinders on. It's like, okay, how can we, you know, how are we fixing hockey? But it it's more than that. And so, mm. to me, that's something to watch. Is are are there ways that these players can make a difference in their communities that isn't specifically related to hockey? Well, and and what of NHL owners? I haven't heard a whole lot from them through all this, have we? And and I think that'll be, you know, uh, certainly out of their comfort zone. But uh, they need to show leadership in all this as well, you know. And um, you're seeing it in other sports to some degree, or at least certainly from all accounts, from what I'm reading, NBA players challenging NBA owners, right? Um, so that so that'll be interesting moving forward. And and finally, and I I'm, I harp on this a ton, and I think we talked about it with Akeem Liu when he was on our podcast earlier this spring, but. In, within the hockey circle, um, you know, trying to expand the diversity of the sport is paramount. And the cost of playing elite hockey, the cost of equipment, the cost of skills, development sessions and camps of coaching is through the roof and out of control, both in Canada and the U.S. And and I know that that's something that's... Uh, that's important to Kim Aliyu to tackle. It's important to me because I see it firsthand. My kids are in minor hockey. I'm able to afford these things, but not everyone is. And it's leaving people behind in both our countries um, simply because of money. And that's, that's, that's a problem hockey has that other sports, frankly, don't at the same level. And, and that's not a good thing. And, and I don't care what anyone says. It's, it's, it's not like we're, it's getting better right now. It's actually down the path of getting worse. And and you want to talk about something that has a 10 to 15 year impact. Uh, changing the economics of the sport at the youth level has got to be up there as one of the paramount priorities. Well, and that goes to your point on, you know, you know, it's 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 nice to hear powerful words from important people. And so, yes, it would be nice to hear from owners um and, and frankly i think you know other people in the hockey community you know hockey general managers i i'm still amazed when i whether it's nfl coaches or nba coaches who would who aren't without being prompted by a question will will discuss an incident like the shooting of jacob blake or george floyd it, they are they are part of that discussion because they want to be part of that discussion. And you and I know we have some of the smartest, most eloquent men in – it's all men right now, but people in pro sports who coach NHL teams. And, and again, I think it's okay. Let's. It would be great to hear those voices too. But I, I think your point is an excellent one, is that there are things that can be done here, and it doesn't require a speech, but it may require writing a check. And whatever mm-hmm. whatever avenue you feel comfortable, you know, stepping into, um, it is about action now. I think so. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether whether NHL owners respond too, because I think it's time for you know lots of individuals to look in the mirror about what what part they're playing in this. Do you think that's fair? Yes, I think that's that's one of the missing links right now for sure. Is is where NHL ownership is in all this, and I mean, let's not beat around the bush here. Even though I don't know for sure, I have a feeling I know where a lot of them 
probably sit on the political spectrum. But again, this is not, this should not be about politics. I've seen this argument a lot on social media over the last couple of days. This is about racial injustice. That's a different thing. It's about doing what's right. And uh, it, it will be interesting to hear from owners as time goes on, where, where, you know, where they sit on all this. All right, my friend. You know, I was I, I was going to ask you. You know, games are going to return on Saturday and Sunday, <laughs> and I was going to ask you about them. But you know what? Let's let's not let's not do that. Let's let's leave it right here. I uh, I think there's lots of this is a good time to think about these kinds of things and maybe ask ourselves some hard questions. And and uh, it's a good time for reflection, my friend. So. Well, I, 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 I'll tell you this. I don't know who's going to write the book on sports in 2020, but between, uh, I was just thinking today, going back to some of the heavy conversations we had about Don Cherry's dismissal at the start of the season, to uh, Bill Peters and coach's behavior, to the Board of Governors, to a world pandemic, uh, to the fear that that put in our lives, to wondering if the sport would, whenever it would be back, and obviously to uh, you know to racial injustice, which has been a huge um, you know topic and, and moment in our lives here in 2020. Uh, it, it's been an unbelievable year, and uh, we've we've had a few heavy podcasts, my friend. We have indeed. Well, I can't imagine anyone I'd rather be having these conversations with than you, my friend. So thank you for the time. You should check out our comments section for each podcast episode at the Athletic app. And don't forget to rate and subscribe to Two Man Advantage on Apple. And if you click on the show URL, theathletic.com slash Two Man Advantage, you'll get 40% off your subscription. We'll talk some hockey on Monday. But until then, Pierre, stay safe. And uh, always good to share these times with you. Right on, my friend.